Okay, here we go. This is a good one. This is one of my favorites. Any schools that we didn't represent, I know we gave love to a bunch of the Florida schools. If you've got a, an alma mater you're wearing right now, can you shout it out on the count of three? Your team, ready? This is your shot. One, two, three. Yes, shout out to all those, Ohio State and all the other ones that I heard. That's awesome. Hey, stand, stand to your feet. Let's, let's get ready to dive into God's word. We're in the midst of a brand new series called Silent Killers. Turn to your neighbor and say, Silent Killers. Silent Killers. You've maybe heard this term referenced when it comes to the medical community. We'll, we'll talk in terms of our bodies, things like diabetes or cholesterol or hypertension. Last week, we spoke about the propensity of human beings to brush stuff off as not that big of a deal until it's a really big deal. And so this series is all about examining the silent killers of the soul. The silent killers of the spirit. Last week, we talked about the silent killer of pride. We kind of use this as a, a framework for how God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. Those that are willing to approach life kind of hands open saying, God, I, I need you. If you missed it, you can check it out on our podcast or our YouTube channel. This week, I want to talk about a silent killer wreaking havoc. I think every single one of us is going to be able to relate to this one, especially in this season. And so if you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, no sweat. We got you covered. Sky Bible up on the screen. Did anybody else enjoy yesterday? I mean, we had college football. We had NFL football. We had high school football. I don't know about the rest of y'all. I found myself singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. Anybody else join me in that one? No. You're like, get spiritual. Talk about Jesus. Okay. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 6, if you're ready, say, let's do this. Paul's writing, he begins like this, the Lord is near. Matter of fact, turn to a neighbor and just tell him, the Lord is near. Everything we're about to talk about this morning hinges on this realization, and it is, is that Ashley? Hey, Ashley, it's good to see you. All right, I'm back. It hinges on this realization, and the realization is this, the Lord is is near, not he might be, not he could be, not perchance, possibly, I wish, he is. Right now, in this moment, in this space, online, wherever you're at, the Lord is near. So, do not be anxious about anything. No biggie. We can all go home, right? There it is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the promise. And if you, and when you, then the peace of God, which transcends, which surpasses, which goes beyond all understanding, will, everybody say will, will, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, I want to talk about the silent killer of anxiety. Some of you got anxious already. It's okay. It's going to be good. I want to talk about the silent killer of anxiety. I, I, I got to let you know, man, the Lord, Jesus has just been doing some incredible things these past few weeks. It's been amazing. And, and from as early as Sunday night, I mean, I got done preaching as early as Sunday night, there has been an expectancy brewing in my heart. I, I don't want to oversell this and overplay this, but I have a deep sense that if you have been stuck or trapped in anxiety, and the surveys say that's a whole lot of us, God is wanting to do some things that only he can do this morning. I want your hearts ready because I think Jesus is going to come, the Prince of Peace, and bring some freedom this morning in our hearts. Are you guys up for that? 
Anybody game for that? Let's pray. Jesus, we want you. Just like Johnny sang, Lord, we want you. Because you're the Prince of Peace. Because you're the one who said, come to me and I'll give you rest if you're overburdened. Come to me and I'll give you joy like a, a, a fountain of living water. Lord, we want your joy and we need your peace. And we invite you to move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can give your neighbor a fist bump. As you find your seat, tell them, get ready. Tell them, get ready. I want to start very practical and move into the powerful. Are you guys cool with that trajectory there? I'm going to do it regardless, but I appreciate you being with me. Um, here's where I want to begin. Three stopping points. The first one is this. What is anxiety? What, what, what is it? We've all felt it, but what is it? Um, I'll begin as I often do with a question. You ever get yourself all worked up? For nothing? You ever been there? You're like, oh. I remember uh, my, my brother-in-law is from India. In fact, he's from South India. He's from Kerala. And so shout out one time to the Malayali peoples, wherever y'all are at. One time, I have, I have since learned about the Mones and the Moles and the uncles and the aunties and all, all that stuff. Um, but I unfortunately did not have said breath of experience when I spent three and a half months in India with a charity foundation. And I learned some lessons the hard way. Like when you go to Delhi, you don't tell them as a white boy that you like spicy food. Because you might not live through your first bite, let alone your first meal, all right? I learned some things. But I remember being there, and we were about a month in, and they sent me with a vet, um, a vet, vet, veteran, not a veterinarian, veteran. He had been there for several years with his family as a missionary. And so they sent me in with a guy I was working for a charity foundation, and we began developing relationships, and we were sort of checking out some different organizations the foundation was supporting, and he had some longstanding friendships already in country. And so I remember we were in New Delhi, we were in the capital, and we got invited to a friends of a friend's um, wedding festivities, which I was like, this is awesome. If, if you've ever been to an Indian wedding before, it's awesome if you've ever been to an Indian wedding in India it's a whole nother thing but I did not know right and so we got invited and, and the guy was like actually I want to invite you to my engagement party how many of y'all have been to like an engagement party here in, in the U.S.? Anybody do that? Okay, typically in our context, an engagement party is a more intimate affair. You might have some close friends, uh, maybe just some family members, maybe the parents. It's, it's a smaller, more intimate setting. So when I heard we're getting invited to an engagement party, I was like, whoa, okay. And so in my mind, I'm like, man, th this poor guy, bless his heart. We don't even really know him. And he's inviting us to his engagement party. He must not have a lot of friends. Man, we got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this guy. You know, I'm on my like pastoral rescue mission mode and so we're like what time he's like 6 p.m i'm like all right cool we'll be there the problem was our day ran late and so we didn't get done with all the stuff we had to do for the foundation until about seven o'clock and and i knew we were not going to get there until about 7 30 and so pastor john was freaking out if I was like, what are we doing? And Paul was my travel companion, this veteran missionary. And I was like, bro, we're, we're going to get there so late. And he's like, man, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, we're going to roll in there an hour and a half late. And it's just going to be family. And I'm just like going through all these things. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. And so we rush over. We get changed. We head up to this thing. And as we're pulling, pulling up to this address, I'm like, this has got to be the wrong address. Like, this is not an engagement party. This is like a Bollywood set right here. I kid you not, we walked in, there was like a thousand plus people. There are ice sculptures. There, there are people walking around with, I kid you not, golden platters. 
They were platters that were gold. There is food. There are fountains flowing with chocolate. Like, it is the most opulent thing I've ever seen. I'm like, we are about to get arrested because this is called trespassing. Paul, we got to get out of here. This is not an engagement party. He just laughed. He said, oh, it is. And my timer, by the way, has not started, which means I'll preach like an hour and a half. Can you just hit the play button there, Karina? Bonus time for your pastor. Yay! Thank you. Was that my mom? Who was that? Who was that? Thank you, IG. And, uh, and so I was there, and, and I just remember being thoroughly, thoroughly astounded because an engagement party in India was unlike any engagement party I had ever been in the U.S. Man, ain't no party like an engagement party in India. I was like, goodness, great. They had, they were the, the, the betrothed ones, the people who were getting married, they had thrones. They were, they were sitting on thrones. They're like, hey, why don't you come up and greet them? I'm like, I don't know them, but I like talking on a microphone. I'll get up there. I gave a whole speech. I mean, it was wild. And I remember in retrospect, by the way, we got there at 730. It started at 6. It hadn't started yet. It hadn't started yet. And I remember thinking, man, I was freaking out over nothing. But what about when there really is something? As we talk about anxiety, and especially as we hit this season of life, like there's a whole lot of somethings to be anxious about. Let's start with one, the pandemic. Not to mention politics and career, family and relationships, deadlines, money, germs, and spiders. Right? Anxiety is defined as the fear and apprehension of what's to come. So we're all kind of working off the same definitions. Anxiety is defined as the fear and apprehension of what's to come. It's sort of a forward-facing, anticipatory panic that comes on us. And right now, I probably don't have to tell you this, anxiety is on a rampage. Anyone felt a little bit anxious in the last 18 months, right? Who, am I talking to real humans? No, y'all super spiritual? Okay, none of y'all. All right, so for the rest of us mere mortals, yeah, I see some two hands raised. Thank you for being honest. What we've realized empirically based off of the data is that we are not simply in a health crisis. We are in a compounded reality now. We find ourselves in the midst of a health crisis and a mental health crisis all at once. According to a 2015 study by the U.S. Department of Health, you are now eight times more likely to have a diagnosed anxiety disorder than all forms of cancer combined. And that stat was pre-pandemic, and it's only gotten worse from there. Now, I want to clarify something from a pastoral perspective because I just need to go ahead and, and lay our cards on the table. Pastors, churches, spiritual people, we have not done particularly well on this subject matter. When it comes to mental health, we have, well, I think maybe out of good intentions, we've communicated some very destructive things. And so I want to clarify up front as your church and as your pastor where my mind goes when it comes to mental health. Anxiety is a spectrum. Every human being is going to battle and struggle and wrestle with anxiety, but there is a thing called an anxiety disorder. This is from the American Psychiatric Association. It says anxiety disorders are actually the most common of mental disorders and affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives. Anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness that everyone experiences. They involve excessive or crippling fear or anxiety. They go on to say they're, they are treatable, but they take assistance from doctors and mental health professionals as well. 
Now, I want to clarify something from your pastor, and I want to clarify something from the heart of your church and from the scriptures. To be abundantly clear here at Greenhouse, we believe in doctors, and we believe in God. Right, we believe in doctors and we believe in God. Here's where I'm going with that. When it comes to mental health and especially mental health in the church, we get all sorts of weird about stuff. Let's say we were out there, we were playing basketball and we go out to play and Stevie's out there and he crosses up David and David's like, oh, and, he, and, and his knee and he's like, oh man, and we're, we're out there playing. Sorry, David, you're just wearing a UM shirt, you asking for it. And so, so David's like, oh, and he falls to the ground and he starts crying. And so we go over there, crocodile tears. The first thing, I, I need you to let you know here, here at Greenhouse, here's the first thing we would do. We would pray for him. It's, it's, what, it's how we, right? We're Jesus people. We're like, man, God could do anything. We would pray for him. We would ask God to heal his knee. We would ask God for supernatural recovery. We would then tell him, hey, man, get up and, and see how you feel because we're believing that Jesus is actually going to do it. Now, let's say he's like, oh, man, I, f- I feel great. Feel great, Pastor John. Feel great. Put me in, coach. We would say, David Sapp, God bless you. You need to go to the doctor, right? That's what we do. Someone rolls up in here and their arms like backwards and they're like, man, I was doing a setup and tear down team. Maybe I'm not gonna use that because HR nightmare, whatever. You know, someone hurts their arm somewhere else that's not here where we're liable. And, um, and they come in and like, there's like a bone sticking out. I'm gonna pray a quick prayer. In Jesus' name be healed. Get out of it. Like, I don't do well with blood and bones and stuff like that, all right? And I will send them, right? Because we would realize Jesus can heal your body and he might choose to use a doctor, right? Jesus can heal your body, and he might choose to use modern medicine. Jesus can heal your body, and he might supernaturally accelerate the insights and the innovations that we found on because every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's not an either or, it is a both and. And your brain is a part of your body. Track him with me. There, there are things sometimes in the same way that you might need a couple weeks, a couple months in a cast to help that bone heal up where your body needs a little bit of assistance to, back, to get back to the full operating shalom that God intended. There are physiological things that happen in our brains where sometimes we need the same exact thing. And so we pray and we go to a doctor just like every other area of life. And so I I need you to hear from me, and I need to be abundantly clear here. When it comes to anxiety, I thank God. I mean, we we have a whole list of Christian mental health professionals here in our community that are counselors and and psychiatrists and that are psychologists. And I thank God for that gift that is to the body, especially when you got someone that has all the professional training and the spirit of God on the inside where the science lines up with the scriptures. It can be a very powerful thing that happens. And when it comes to anxiety, we, we just know this, friends. There are real treatment plans that help the body and they help the mind. Here's my challenge. Do the work of the soul and spirit too. If we're not careful, we get in this either or dichotomy. We're like, well, Pastor John, are you just gonna pray and believe in faith or are you gonna go to the doctors? I'm like, yes. Yes, just like every other medical ailment you would say amen to, it's the same thing with our minds. What I want us doing in this space, maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor John, I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Amen, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you are walking through the medical steps. Can you also give Jesus a shot to do some stuff? It's yes, it's yes and amen to both. It's, it's a both and. It's like, man, go to your doctor and go to Jesus, the great physician, and give him a shot to confound your doctor and say, man, I've never done a treatment plan this good. You're like, well, it's not exactly you. Hey, man, man great, great job. Great job. 
Number one is what is anxiety? Question number two, why are we so anxious? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, tell me why. Some of y'all sang it, didn't you? You sang it, didn't you? Tell me why. Okay. I don't know why I'm singing a lot in this service. I was inspired by Johnny. We have the same name, so I thought maybe we could, no, okay. Anxiety, remember, is defined as the fear and apprehension of what's to come. It's forward-looking, it's future-facing, it's the fear and anxiety of what's to come. I mentioned last week, was not planning on it, but couldn't help myself. Our son, Liam, my wife and I have two kids. Our oldest, Liam, went to kindergarten last week. Yeah, which was exhilarating and terrifying all at once. No one prepared me for this, by the way. This would have been very helpful. Um, my wife and I are both educators, and so we'll have hundreds of students come back to school, and we're like, we got this, full of faith. We're like, yes, this is gonna be amazing. And then we send off one kid, and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, please help me. That's how my soul sounded. I was much tougher on the outside. But I, I remember all these emotions, and, and parenting is like a whole nother level of the trust in God onion. Right? Parents, can I get an amen? Like, you're, you're like, man, with my life, like, oh, Jesus, whatever you want. If I perish, I perish. You get all Liam Neeson in the spirit, right? And then you send your kid to kindergarten, you're like, Lord, can you do it? Can you do it? God! You have this crisis of faith. I'm like, what am I doing, man? Isn't it? Parents, come on. Are you with me? I see some parents laughing, and they're like, Yes. You're probably happy that your pastor now has a kindergartner like, oh, we knew that moment would come, Pastor John. See, here's a problem with anxiety. Anxiety is like the devil. It tells you the truth, but only half the truth. This is why anxiety is so powerful. It's why it's so potent. It's why it works so well, because anxiety doesn't flat out lie to you like the devil. Anxiety tells you the truth, but it's only half the truth. It tells you the story, but it's only half the story. It is some truth, but it is not the whole truth. And in this current moment, we find this reality compounded and exacerbated by everyone's favorite way to lie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Social media, everyone's favorite way to lie. You're like, man, well, you take this awesome, ang I saw this picture, it was of this lady, and they had, and she was like looking out the window, it looked like an airplane, she's like, ah. And then they zoomed out, and it was a toilet seat. I was like, man, that is so true. That is so true. You take a picture of your kids, first day of kindergarten, they're all smiling, and everything's great, and then you don't, you don't show the one where you're like, your kids slapped your other kid, and they're like screaming and crying, you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna delete that one, right? Everyone's, here's what psychology today had to say. They said the average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Right? Right? I'm gonna read that again. Some of you are like, it's not me, it's not just me, thank God. No, unfortunately, it's not just you. The average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. The article went on to link this to the complexities of American life, but most specifically, they said, at this point, we are gathering enough data to know that a huge contributing factor to this is indeed social media. How many of you watched the Olympics and you got to watch Sydney McLaughlin and she conquered that Olympic world record and she's amazing, the hurdler. Anybody know who I'm talking about? I got a picture of her on the screen. This is her, yeah, it was amazing. Like, USA, USA, yeah! And uh, she won and it was incredible. 
And somehow this week, I, I, I was Googling about anxiety and, and, and a video popped up and it was her three days after accomplishing her life goal and dream to break a world record. And it was one of the most heartbreaking videos I've ever watched. She is, Sydney is a Jesus follower, it seems, from everything that you can tell online, very publicly talking about Jesus and her relationship with Jesus, and it seems beautifully genuine. And so she got on this video, and she just, she's just crying, and she's like, listen, I'm done pretending. Like, I, I accomplished the, the zenith of my life goal and dream as an athlete, at least. And I figured, like, there'd be all these people proud of me, and then people just came after me. She's like, all these comments, all these. She said, I had gone off social media for months because I was like, I just can't handle it. I, I felt like it was, it was doing something very toxic to me. She said, I don't know there, if there's a more toxic place in the world than the internet. Three days after a world record. And she's in, I mean, she should be in, in the, the pinnacle, right? Like, like this, this state of elation. She accomplished her life goal in regard to her athletics and running. And she's in this pit. And I'm going to camp here for a moment because this is, this is something when it comes to anxiety that we need to understand. Life creates stress. Amen. Just like life. If, you're a, if you're a human being, you will have stress. Life creates anxiety. Life creates panic. Life creates these moments of fear. But for so much of this, what we are finding is we have actually gone over and above to create and even in some ways inflict this upon ourselves. And when it goes unexamined, we are in the greatest space of danger. Sydney said in her video, she's like, man, I, I, I thought I could handle this. I thought I could do it. I thought, man, this will be so great. I'll jump on social media again and everyone will be celebrating with me. And it was so not that. And here's my encouragement to you. I, I am a millennial on the upper echelon as my gray beard would indicate. Thank you, all of you who are helping that happen. And um, I'm just playing. I love y'all. But I didn't grow up with social media. In fact, I called it the evil, demon-possessed version of friendship for the longest time. That's how I referred to Facebook. Um, but then I got on it just like the rest of us. But, but some of us, it has become our operating system, hardwired into us. And, and I, need, I need you to get this. If you do not yet understand how social media is affecting you emotionally, you are in a very dangerous place. I, I can't, I, there's a lot of y'all. I, I can't tell you one by one how it's affecting you emotionally, but if you don't know how it's affecting you emotionally, you are in a dangerous place. Because here's the thing, there have been horrible times in history. We all suffer from a little bit of chronological snobbery where you're like, this is the worst time in the world. You're like, you know there was like a world war, right? This is the worst thing ever. You're like, you know there has been other pandemics, right? This is the worst thing. You know there was like a great depression where people didn't have food. Like we all have a little bit of that, right? But here's the difference. There have been horrible times in human history, but now there is no time for rest. Because when we should be resting... When we should be unwinding, when we should be backing off from the pressures and the stresses of everyday life, we don't. Because we pick up our phones. I don't have mine. That would have been nice. <laughs> and we're not. The old saints would sing these songs. They would say, man, turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Help me if you know it. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Here's the problem. Things of this world never go strangely dim because the light's always on. And at this point, it's not anecdotal. It is empirical. It is destroying us 
from the inside. We know the way that social media affects anxiety. We know the way that it affects stress. We know the way that it affects comparison and a lack of, of contentment with someone's life. And in this season, anxiety is a primary weapon and a silent killer of the enemy of our souls, especially in this season. I need us to understand something. I said I'm going to go from, from sort of content to, to, to conviction. I'm going to go for some thoughts here. Here it is. When you're always plugged in, you're going to be anxious. This is what we know. When you're always plugged in, you're going to be anxious. When you don't have deep, real connections with God's people who can help retether you to reality. By the way, we call those microchurches here at Greenhouse. When you don't have that, you're going to be anxious. When you don't have a real and deep connection to God's word that can pull you back to his promises, when anxiety tries to take over your future forward vision of how things could turn out and what they could look like, when you don't have those deep connections to God and his word, you're going to be anxious. But when you do God's word, everybody say, do God's word. When you do God's word, James says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Do what it says. When you do God's word, it combats anxiety. You're like, Pastor John, how do you do God's word? I'm glad you asked. Question number one, what is anxiety? Number two, why are we so anxious? And finally, number three, how do we get free? Let's look at what Paul has to say in Philippians. He begins like this, the Lord is near, therefore do not be anxious about anything. By the way, this is cool. God knows we were going to struggle with anxiety because he told us not to be anxious, right? You don't, you don't tell someone to do something. I don't say none of you should root for the Florida State Seminoles because it is not the will of the Lord because I, don't, I, I just know someone's going to do it. Sorry, I just had to get that out college Sunday. I just know someone's got to do it, and so i got to warn people of the evils and trappings of this life. God, through Paul, warns us to not be anxious. Why? Because he already knows we're going to struggle. And he's so merciful. And he knows our frame that he's like, let me just go ahead and cut you off the pass. I, I know this is going to be hard for you. Friend, you will have anxiety pop up. You will. But you don't have to live in a consistently anxious state any longer. Which is why God tells us, through Paul, what to do with it. Remember, anxiety, it gives you one side of the story. Anxiety gives you a truth, but only a half truth. Anxiety only gives you one side of the story, which is why faith comes in and tells the whole story. Faith, by the way, followers of Jesus, we are not like pie in the sky, the world's falling around us, and we're like, everything is perfect, thank you, God, and our like, house is blowing over, we're in a hurricane, we're like, ah, everything. Like, what, what faith is not is bury your head in the sands and pretend life isn't hard. Faith, just it, it acknowledges the one side of the story that anxiety is trying to highlight, but it also tells the entire story. And faith, comes from who? God, very good. Almost always the answer in church, right? Faith comes from God, which is why Paul says to bring our anxieties to him. Verse six, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, what does it say? Present your requests to God. 
He says, don't be anxious about anything. You're like, oh, how do I, I'm trying. Some of us this room are like, I'm trying, Pastor John. You think I want to be in this state? You think I want to be stuck, trapped, debilitated by anxiety? Please, I would love to not be anxious about anything, which is why God doesn't leave it there. He tells us what to do with it. But in everything with prayer, I want to make this super practical before I'm hoping and praying it gets powerful and potent. Step number one is this, what do I do, Pastor John, biblically to get out of being trapped in anxiety? Number one, you pray. You pray. See, here's the thing, when it comes to other arenas of life, we know what to do. If you get a flat tire, we all know what to do. What do you do? I call AAA. Some of y'all are more handy than me and you fix it, but I I call AAA, right? We know know what to do with that. Uh, When we have a broken bone, we know what to do. We put it in a cast. When it comes to life things, we know what to do. And I would argue that when it comes to anxiety and worry, we know biblically what to do. The problem is that we are just prone to worry rather than to pray. This week, I spent a bunch of time doing research because I'm like, I'm so thankful for the gift that that godly, Jesus-loving counselors are to the body. And so I'm like, man, I'd love to do something that is uniquely pastoral, but dovetails nicely with what a counselor might be sharing with someone. And this could be a helpful ammunition where the counselor's like, yes, okay, good. I'm glad your pastor said that. Let's let's work on that together. Here's the thing. I I, I did a bunch of research and reading this week. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a leading cognitive neuroscientist, she's way smarter than me. Um, she's also like a disciple of Jesus. She loves Jesus. She has a, bro- a book called Switch Your Brain On, uh, which you, if you have not read and you have battles with anxiety, I would recommend you check that out. I think it's a very helpful resource. But in her book, she talks about that the first step to combating anxiety is not to fight it, but to embrace it. I don't know if that sounds weird to anybody else. I was like, I think I read this wrong, and I went back through. She said, the first step when it comes to anxiety and combating anxiety biblically is not to fight it, but to embrace it. The more I looked at this passage, I'm like, well, that's exactly what Paul says, which would be her point here. Paul says, don't be anxious about everything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, present that request to God. Here's what I mean. You cannot present it until you acknowledge it. Right? The the first step when it comes to anxiety is not like, oh, I'm just gonna, and this is what we do, by the way. When it comes to struggling with anxiety, no one likes it, it's it's extremely uncomfortable, and so what we do is we just try to pretend it's not there, or we run away from it, or we run away from situations that cause it, and so we're putting Band-Aids on gunshot wounds. And they never get healed, and we never get whole. And here's our problem, rather, than taking the it and owning the it, whatever the it might be, and bringing it to God in prayer, we bring it to fate instead. This is where anxiety takes hold. Rather than taking the it that is legitimately fear-inducing and bringing it to God who can do something with it because he promises in his word that we will, we take it and if left unexamined, we bring it to fate, which has no name, which has no face, which has no will, which has no emotions, which has no promises we can stand on. And so as a result, if, I just need you to know, if your life is in the hands of fate, you will be forced to live in one or two ways, either wildly aloof from your realities, and we all know people who are like that, 
where they pretend everything's fine, you're like, it's really not fine. Your leg is falling off. If our life is in the hands of fate, we either have to live aloof and pretend like the sky is not falling or we live anxious all the time. And God through Paul says it does not have to be that way. See, if instead you step into a place of prayer with your anxieties, prayer with your worries, if you take your life and your anxieties of the perceived future and put it in the hands of God through prayer, now all of his promises apply. This is why Paul begins this whole diatribe with the reminder that the Lord is near. The first step, if you're wanting to walk in freedom from debilitating anxiety, if you're wanting to walk in the peace that God has for you, the first step is to pray. And one of the silent killers of humanity is that when these things happen, our default in our thought life is to run from God instead of running to God, and anxiety take, takes root. And it doesn't have to be that way. The, the, the power of bringing, of step one, of bringing these thoughts to God in prayer is that what prayer does is it helps us to remember the nearness of our very competent and powerful and loving God. Anxiety tells half the story and causes us to forget the nearness of God. When you bring it to him in prayer, you're like, God, here's what's going on. And, uh, uh, and we bring it to him, you're like, oh, wait a second. You're not freaking out about this. Oh, oh yeah, you're not freaking out. You're not freaking out about this. Yes, you can do it. You know, and all of a sudden, you start remembering who, who's with you in life. You start remembering who's got your back. You start remembering all of his promises that are yes and amen. You start remembering that I've been young and now I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and their children begging for bread. That's a Bible verse. You start remembering all these realities about God when we go to him in prayer. Yes, amen. Same chapter, Dr. Leaf says to thank God for your anxiety. Like, what in the world? She says, thank God for your anxiety. Here's what she says. Because anxiety is not a curse, it's an indicator. Just like all of your emotions. Who gave me these crazy emotions? Don't let your spouse answer that. Who gave me all these emotions? God. And emotions are indicators that are pointing to crucial cracks in our foundation to important aspects that we might be overlooking. Emotions, if we bring them to God in prayer first, can be powerful agents towards our healing and restoration. It means we pay attention to those emotions and then we take it to the root. We pay attention to those emotions and then we take it to the root. What, what is that fear? Why, why does that get me so deep? Where are the, the gaps in faith where you feel like God is distant, where you feel like God is aloof, where you feel like he's not listening, like he's left you alone? Recognize, friends, he, he has not left you alone. The Lord is near. Step number one, you take your anxieties to him in prayer. And when you do that, step number two, he teaches us to tell ourselves the whole story. The whole story. Turn to your neighbor and say the whole story. The whole story. The, you got to tell yourself the whole story. This is 2 Corinthians 10. Good Bible right here. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, what does it say? Divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds and demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
We actually have been given by Jesus a power when it comes to where our mind goes with its thoughts. Dr. Leaf in her book calls this optimism mode. She references this passage here. Because what happens is, is anxiety tells you a truth, but it's a half truth. It gives you the worst case scenario. By the way, this is not Pastor John pontificating from the mountaintop. This is like, this is me going through this. I mean, this week, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I asked my mom. This week, I had to live my message in a major way. Uh, my father, you guys know, passed away two years ago. Uh, my mother is a breast cancer survivor and is, as we speak in Houston, dealing with what looks to be a resurgence of breast cancer. I'm leaving here at like four o'clock to go fly up to Houston. I don't want you to think this is like, man, how, how, y'all need to do better with anxiety. I'm like, pa Pastor John was preaching the message to myself all week long. And here's what happens with me. Maybe you can relate. They're running the tests. They find out, okay, the cancer hasn't spread to other parts of the body. It's like, okay, thank God. But then you start running. And what anxiety does is it gets you the worst case scenario that the doctors haven't even said yet. And you fly all the way to the end. Well, man, what if, what if this? And you start thinking about that. And so this, this idea of optimism mode is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. You, you realize, this is why it's important to have community in your life. With a, hey, bro, you're kind of spiraling right now. Let's bring it back. You realize, okay, part of this, it could be that horrible worst case apocalyptic scenario. It could be be, but optimism mode says, now pick two other scenarios that are good scenarios. That's what anxiety does not let us do. You kind of pause the thought, you're like, wait a second. Okay, that is a truth. It could be that horribly bad, but it also could be X, or it also could be Y. And she says, and when you, when you begin imagining the one bad and two good scenarios, let yourself go all the way with it. Just like anxiety forces you to go all the way with the bad emotions, go all the way with the good emotions. Be like, man, if this better scenario, and then how would I feel with that? And, and what would the outcome be? And it's a disciplined reality that your thoughts do not have to run your spirit and soul. You can take thoughts captive. Yeah, it's deeply empowering. Deeply empowering. You start getting into neuroplasticity and how you, the habits of thought and all sorts of other stuff I'll geek out on. But it, it, the, all, everything we're learning in science as we get these revelations, God's like, oh yeah, I've been talking about that for like 2,000 years. I'm glad y'all found it finally. This is awesome. We're finally on the same page. Because God's word is true. This is a skill that can be learned and God is ready and willing to help us. I was thinking this week of a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a great one if you can reference it and maybe read it later. And I'll probably land it here, I think. So worship team, you can come up and we'll, we'll land in a final chorus. But Elisha is one of the prophets of God. And, and there's this army that's, that's going against the Israelites, the people of God. And so they're, they're trying to fight them and they're in the midst of this war. And Elisha keeps getting like military intel battle strategies from God. And so everywhere the enemy tries to go, the, the army of Israel is already there because Elisha's like, hey, the enemy's going to go there. He's, he's hearing things that he should not be hearing military-wise in advance. And so finally, the commanding king is like, bump all the military stuff. We're going to get Elisha. He realizes what's happening. He's like, they got one dude, secret weapon, wipe him out, and we're going to win this battle. And so Elisha's servant wakes up one morning, doo -doo 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 -doo, going to get his breakfast. He's like, and he looks out, and the entire army is surrounding the city where Elisha is. And he starts freaking out, if, to use the King James. He start, he's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And so he runs into Elisha. He's like, Elisha, we're dead. Elisha's like, what? He's like, there's a whole army. He starts going around. And Elisha's like, man, it's fine. Go back to bed. It's still too early. 
my own version of it. And so Elisha's servant's like, no, you don't understand. And so Elisha prays this prayer. He says, God, open his eyes to see the reality of things. Because anxiety only tells you half the truth. Elisha's servant goes back out. This is beautiful. This is what I'm praying to God happens in our minds and hearts this morning. Elisha's servant goes out and he still sees the army, all right? But then he looks out beyond the army and he sees this flood of angels, fiery swords and chariots of fire. Do, 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 do. And he, see, he looks out and he's like, and he realizes the army that's there is big, but the army of God with them is much bigger. And he comes back to Elisha and he's like, I get it now. And then God blinds him and it's crazy and the whole battle ends and it's amazing. Read the chapter. See, God's word is beautiful because it is true and because it is honest to life. You will have battles with anxiety because you're a human being. But it does not have to rule your life anymore. And as we shift here into this moment, I, I have been praying my guts out that Jesus, one of his titles is the Prince of Peace, would do something absolutely supernatural that only he can do in our hearts and specifically in our minds this morning. This is what God promises in his word. He says, don't be anxious about everything, but make with thanksgiving your request to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, I'm praying you would hear this in faith right now, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which goes beyond all understanding, meaning even if you don't magically like, oh, now I understand what's happening in the cosmos, 13 years from now, God's gonna, it says, even if you don't know what's going to happen yet, his peace, which goes beyond understanding, will guard, will guard. I'm praying that the peace of Jesus will guard your hearts and minds. The promise here is incredible. Jesus says, hey, don't be anxious. Oh, God, I know you're going to. So just bring it to me. And if you'll bring it to me, that's all the fighting need to do because my peace will guard your heart and your mind in Timothy we're told that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind the promises for freedom when it comes to our minds are incredible as I was preparing and, and spending I spent a bunch of time just asking the Lord Jesus do something at Western High School do something for people who are gonna be watching later online Lord we need you in this area we need you in this area. I wrote this down, and I feel like this is for someone or someone's. If you're here in the room and anxiety does not own you, you're like, man, Pastor John, it's not that serious. I mean, anxiety doesn't own you. But for somebody here, it's got a timeshare in your heart. What I mean by that, if you're familiar with timeshares, you got it for a few weeks. And I felt like God wanted to bring freedom in particular for anyone that's like, man, for the most part, Pastor John, I'm good, but, but man, four times out of the year, just like a timeshare, man, anxiety comes and takes up shop and I live through hell every single year. I mark my calendar every Christmas and every New Year's and, and every Easter. And I feel like God said, John, son, tell them it is time to get out of their timeshare with anxiety. You do not have to be stuck in that place any longer, Jesus is able and wanting and willing to set you free because you can be free 
and you can walk in peace. And I'm not gonna promise you all of a sudden, come up here and pray, and then all of a sudden you'll never struggle with anxiety again. Hasn't happened to me, and I don't think it's happened to any of us. What I'm telling you is that the debilitating nature of anxiety does not have to cripple you in the mind and soul any longer. You can live in increasing trust and security in Jesus, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And it can begin right now, right now. So would you join me in standing to your feet? And if I can get some of our prayer partners up here to to line the front, we're gonna close in this final chorus. And I've been praying for this moment all week long because I think in addition to great counselors you might have and great psychiatrists that you might have and great psychologists that you might have doing all of the things in the physiological, amen to all of that, King Jesus wants to do some things that only he can do in the soul and spirit. And I'm praying that we would have the courage and the desperation to say, Lord, I'm open, I'm open. I'm desperate. I need it. So here's what I'd like us to do. If you've been stuck in anxiety, if you've been stuck in worry, if you've been stuck in stress, if you relate to when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, you're like, hey, hand up, two, two hands up. That's me. Here's my question. Are you ready to let it go? We see this in so many facets of life. Oftentimes people that are most trapped and stuck stay in that place, not because they cannot get free, but because the nature of their bondage is at least familiar to them and the fear of the unknown keeps them stuck in place. Are you willing to let it go? Remember last week, Jesus is not gonna pry anxiety out of your hands. It's a heart posture of humility and desperation. God, if you'll help me. I thought about the woman with the issue of blood and she had done everything she could medically. She had gone to all the doctors, 12 years. She had done all the tests, all the treatments, all the money, all the plans, and still nothing. And finally, she got desperate enough to say, Jesus, if I could just get you, I know I can be healed. He's still the same Jesus, friends. And if you're here and you're ready to let it go, to bring it to him this morning, I'm gonna pray in just a moment. We'll sing a final chorus and then I'll invite you to come up and we're gonna ask Jesus to do what only he can do. And I believe that he is going to move, that he is going to get some people unstuck this morning, that that little thing you haven't been able to get over, I am praying in Jesus' name it would happen. Let's lift our hearts in faith. Jesus, right now we invite you. Lord, this is not about persuasive words. This is not about great music. God, this is about your power on display because you love your people so much. Jesus, you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think or even imagine. And so right now we are asking you to move in this room, to move wherever people are watching online. Lord, to set us free from from cycles of thinking that have kept us stuck. Lord, bring freedom, bring wholeness, bring help, bring redemption. In Jesus' name, if you would like prayer, we would love to pray with you. And I think Jesus is gonna do some incredible things. You can come right now. Let's sing. You are my champion. Giants for when you stand undefeated. Every battle you want I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence I am seated In the heavenly place 
for your people if you're watching online praying for a freedom in mind Lord we receive your peace teach us to walk in an increasing measure hey we're just gonna keep lingering here for a moment college students you're welcome to head over to the uh to the other side and we'll all get there when we get there that we got lunch waiting for you and a bunch of stuff if you're here and you need prayer we'll kind of stay as long as we need to to flow with that otherwise you're dismissed love you church praying god's blessing his covering his grace over you and if you need prayer you're welcome to come forward